0: This is something that has not happened in the
1: history here in Canada.
2: A community and country prepare for an anniversary of a tragic revelation in Kamloops. Plus. I am shocked at this horrific crime. It's a rarity anywhere. A woman in Surrey is sexually assaulted by a stranger who broke into her home. And...
3: The more people need the resource, the more staff they need, the more help they need. And it's like essential resource for all the community. A Vancouver charity that helps those in need now needs
2: help to keep operating.
4: You're watching Global
5: BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Colleen Christie. Nitu is off tonight. A year of reawakened trauma for survivors of residential schools in Canada will be acknowledged tomorrow with a ceremony in Kamloops. It will mark the first anniversary of the discovery of presumed unmarked graves at the former residential school there. Kamal Karamali joins us now from Kamloops with some of what we can expect. Kamal.
6: Calling behind me here is where the ceremonies will take place tomorrow throughout the entire day at what's called the Pow Wow Arbor here in Kamloops. The ceremonies are set to begin at 5 a.m. with what is called a sunrise ceremony. That one will be a private one. Then the public uh, memorial will begin at 9 a.m. Now, Governor General Mary Simon will want be one of the first speakers on Friday. She met with the founders of the Orange Shirt Movement in Victoria before coming up to the Interior here to Camp Kamloops. There will be a traditional singing, dancing, drumming, words of reconciliation and reflection that will go right up until 7:30 p.m in the evening with a closing prayer, all of it to honour Le Est Wechwe, that translates to the missing. Tomorrow will mark exactly one year since 215 suspected unmarked graves were discovered at the former residential school site here in Kamloops. Since then, there have been more searches and more discoveries of possible unmarked graves, including in Williams Lake.
0: This is something that is
2: has not happened in the history here in Canada. There is no set of guidelines, no
3: checklist. So all we know is one honor protocols and moving forward.
6: all day trying to get things set up for a very busy day tomorrow so the discovery here one year ago has led to much reflection and some action colleen although indigenous leaders say there is still a lot more work to be done and you can expect full coverage from right here on global news starting at 6 a.m on global news morning back to you
2: kamal thank you a 24-hour helpline is available for residential school survivors and their families, and it's confidential. The toll-free number is 1-800-721-0066. Surrey RCMP's Special Victims Unit is on the hunt for a suspect in a disturbing attack, a woman sexually assaulted in her own home early Saturday by a stranger who broke in. Kristen Robinson has more on what happened and who police are looking for.
0: It happened in the 12900 block of 101A Avenue in Surrey around 6.40 a.m. Saturday. Police say a woman reported she'd been sexually assaulted by a stranger who broke into her home.
2: I am shocked at this horrific crime. It's a rarity anywhere, but it should never happen to anyone. When we're in our homes, we should be able to feel safe.
0: Few details are being released as Surrey RCMP's Special Victims Unit investigates. The alleged victim treated in hospital for what are described as non-life-threatening injuries. Surrey Councillor Linda Annis, who also heads Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers, understands the neighbourhood may be on edge, but reiterates incidents like this are rare.
2: Everybody needs to be watching out for their personal safety. The police will be doing everything they possibly can to ensure this doesn't happen again. It's a rare occurrence and the people should be mindful of their personal safety, but bearing in mind that this doesn't happen
1: very often.
0: The suspect described as a man in his mid-30s, 5 feet 6 inches tall and wearing dark clothing. Investigators would like to hear from anyone with information or surveillance or dash cam footage from the area
1: on the morning of May 21st. We all have to be very, very vigilant at this time. If you see someone that's doing something suspicious, call the police or call crime stoppers.
0: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
2: Global News has obtained surveillance video of the suspect in a random and racially motivated attack on a senior in Vancouver's Chinatown. It happened at around 11.40 Friday morning. The suspect is seen walking west in the 100 block of East Pender Street after police say he approached an 87-year-old man, hurled racist comments at him, then bear-sprayed the man in the face. Video shows a senior running after the suspect, then being helped by a woman passing by. Police say the victim was traumatized by the unprovoked attack, which was likely fueled by anti-Asian hate. The BPD's hate crimes team is reviewing evidence. The suspect is described as 30 to 40 years old, 6 feet tall, and wearing a black jacket, dark pants, grey ball cap, grey shoes with red trim and white soles, and a black backpack. We are learning more tonight about a police investigation at a Vancouver home this weekend. A multi-unit home in the 1200 block of East 41st Avenue was behind police tape all day Saturday. The blood-stained sidewalk in front of the house was also cordoned off. Vancouver police now say they're investigating an assault that took place in the home. Two people were rushed to hospital with serious injuries. One man has been arrested and remains in custody. Police say there is no risk to the public. Two men accused in the 2021 home invasion homicide of a Vancouver senior are set to go to trial next summer. 78-year-old Usha Singh was brutally attacked in her home near Queen Elizabeth Park in January last year. She died in hospital two days later. 47-year-old Pascal Jean-Claude Boutelet was charged with second-degree murder, while 48-year-old Sandy Jack Parisien was accused of manslaughter in Singh's death. Both are set for a four-week trial in July of 2023, with Boudelet now facing a first-degree murder charge. Police say the suspects in Singh's homicide were wearing gear to make them look like police officers, and both are accused of misrepresenting themselves to gain entry into the senior's home. The pandemic has exposed the growing need among those struggling with mental illness and experiencing homelessness, and the affordability crisis is making matters worse. Well, now staff at a Vancouver organization that tries to help people in need says the lifelines to support them are dwindling. Grace Key reports.
7: When Anne Buscemi arrived in Vancouver in 2015, she was homeless and suffering from substance abuse. Street friends told her about the Kettle Society, a nonprofit that focuses on mental health, housing and homeless supports.
3: I had an episode where I had drug-induced psychosis and I could not trust anyone anymore. It was very terrifying and the only thing that I could do was to go to the Kettle. And it's very simple but it just says it's going to be okay. And two days later I got sober and now I'm here.
7: Years later, when Anne and her two young children were in need of housing, the Kettle Society helped.
3: The thing that happened with the Kettles is that when you're ready to do the effort necessary to, to better your life, they are there and they're going to do everything they can.
7: But there are challenging times ahead. The Kettle Society is seeing an alarming increase in the number of people needing help while COVID emergency funding is winding down.
3: What we're finding most challenging
2: is having enough staff to be on the floor to be there and to be able to ask people what it is that they need right now in the moment, which is really essential to make that connection when people are in in a tough place.
7: Total contacts served for the Homeless Outreach Program jumped from 271 in 2019 to 5,713 in 2021. The need is great again this year with complex mental health issues.
2: It's having those resources is what we really need. The kettle could use donations and most importantly, we need people in the community to be compassionate and, and not get cynical when they see somebody that is obviously struggling.
3: And you know, the thing that's very nice is because when you're homeless, you're often looking at by people as less than, but at the Kettle, you're a person. So it was very, it changed my whole life.
7: With less funding, the Kettle Society fears, it won't be able to reach out to more people like Anne. Today, she showcases her work on her website, madeofwilderness.com, and life is looking good.
3: I've been sober for over six years now. I raise my kids alone. It's a lot of work, but they are pretty good people. And uh, friends, I mean, I just got interviews for work, interviews for daycare. It's pretty, pretty good life.
7: Grace Key, Global News. Good for her.
2: A demonstration was held at the Commercial and Broadway Transit Hub in Vancouver today in support of a youth detox program that's transitioning to another model. Bring back!
0: Youth detox! Bring back! The Family
2: Services of Greater Vancouver have operated Direction's Youth Detox, a withdrawal management program for young people for nearly 30 years. The program is known as Social Detox and is a method of treating addiction to certain drugs in a mostly non-medical setting. Vancouver Coastal Health, the program's sole funder, told staff in December the money would be cut off.
3: The Youth Detox is going to be closed and a lot of youth are going to die because of that. It's one of the only services that youth can go to detox and a lot of the adult youth detoxes either won't take youth or the youth end up feeling so uncomfortable and like just so um, out of place that they end up being so stressed out that they have to leave which is not okay.
2: Bank of Costa Health told Global News last month they're still committed to ensuring young people can access detox. But the social detox model at the location doesn't align with current guidelines and best practices. It says it will use the money to roll out a new program. A massive fire had badly damaged a well-known resort in the southern interior. flames and smoke pouring from the, quote, lodge and spa at the Talking Rock Golf Resort near Chase. It's an indigenous-owned resort on Little Shuswap Lake. The Little Shuswap Lake Band conceived the resort in 1979 to boost economic development. It's been operating since 1991. The local MP tweeted saying the fire brings tears to his eyes, and the Grand Chief of the Union of B.C. Indian Chiefs calls it a totally sad day. No word at this point on injuries or how the fire started. Some frightening moments at the Vernon Regional Airport today when a small plane made a belly landing on the runway. A Global Okanagan viewer sent in these photos. The witness says the small plane came into the airport at around 2.30 this afternoon. As it was landing, the landing gear appears to have failed. The plane hit the runway and skidded to a stop. No one was injured. A cool, damp spring in the Okanagan is stalling crop growth and that's impacting farmers' bottom lines. We have planted several times our crop and it's not growing so we have to like cultivate and plant it more. KLO Farm Market is usually open by early to mid-May but this year the fruits and vegetables aren't ready to be picked. Making matters worse, the cost of farming is way up this year. So this year the seed's costing triple two. Because I think um, just because of the COVID, people don't have enough staff. Even for us, it's hard to find staff this year. So I have still hiring signs and stuff. But as a we said, we're doing our best. So we're making sure we help our um, local customers. So we're going to plant more and more, see how Mother Nature helps us. It's up KLO Market. will open the first week in June. Two bad choices. A man accused of robbing a store with a toddler in tow. Plus.
8: I I think she's been to hell and back and has shown great strength of character.
2: Surrey's mayor said a woman ran over his foot. Now how that woman has been impacted by McCallum's accusations. Next. And a happy update on a little boy and his unattended birthday party. That story next. We're hearing tonight from the woman, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum, accused of running over his foot with her car. It comes after Global News exclusively obtained court documents detailing the public mischief case against the mayor. Catherine Urquhart has the latest.
1: In December, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum was charged with public mischief. After he contacted police, claiming a woman collecting signatures for the Surrey police vote had run over his foot.
5: She clipped my knee and and my bottom leg and then ran over my foot at the same time and then took off.
1: Now that driver is speaking out for the first time. In a statement, she told Global News in part, "'My name is Debbie Johnstone. I am the victim that Mr. McCallum falsely accused September 4th, 2021.' I remain steadfast in my original statement of innocence. I'm unable to comment further at this time. I understand this has been a pretty tough time for Debbie Johnstone as well.
8: Yes, it has. And, um, you know, all credit to her. I, I think she's been to hell and back and has shown great strength of character,
1: sticking to her guns, not being intimidated. Following a court challenge by Global News, a judge unsealed court documents in the case. The information to obtain documents, which were the basis for a judge granting search warrants, state that officers obtained a search warrant to secure McCallum's running shoes worn at the time. There were production orders for McCallum's medical records, including x-rays. Also part of the case, surveillance video from the Save on Foods and Peace Arch Hospital and media interviews. Also in the ITO, McCallum said in a statement that he was pinned up against his vehicle. The video surveillance shows McCallum was not pinned up against a vehicle. McCallum said in a statement that after his foot was run over, he walked over limping. Surveillance video shows him walking in the same manner that he was walking prior to the incident. McCallum provided a version of events that has been partially disproved based on the statement provided by the driver and the video surveillance obtained from Savon Foods.
8: Resign from the police board, resign, step down as mayor until this matter is dealt with before the courts. I think the people in Surrey deserve better.
1: Outside the Savon Foods where the alleged incident occurred, Surrey residents had strong opinions.
8: Such a ridiculous self-serving stunt i mean it's
5: ridiculous
9: i don't think that taxpayers should have to pay for his court case because that's a lot of money that um, people are having to work very hard for i just think he's a loser <laughs> he's a
1: joke mccallum says he won't comment as the case remains before the courts his trial is set for october 31st his mounting legal bills continue to be paid by surrey taxpayers none of the allegations have been proven in court Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: The father of a young child will face a bail hearing Tuesday after allegedly holding up a Kamloops gas station with his toddler in tow. 32-year-old Andrew Bradley Miller of Oliver is accused of robbing the super safe gas on Westside Road Thursday evening in the presence of his three-year-old daughter. Staff tell Global News the suspect walked in with the little girl and looked around the store before approaching the counter and pulling up his shirt to reveal the butt of a gun. The clerk was given a note, then had to hand over the cash. Unfortunately for the suspect, RCMP were conducting a traffic stop in the parking lot, and he was arrested. Miller is charged with robbery, uttering threats, resisting a peace officer, and using an imitation firearm. An update on a story we brought you earlier this week on a Vancouver father's heartbreaking post about his son's birthday. Well, only one child showed up. His son has autism, and the tweet generated a huge response, including an officer from transit police. This is six-year-old Max and his brother celebrating his belated birthday with transit police officers on Friday. The force, which has many neurodivergent members and parents of neurodivergent children, reached out to the boy's father after his post about Max's ill-attended birthday party struck a nerve. Jen's tweet has since started a dialogue and is helping raise awareness of the issues parents with children on the autism spectrum face. Well we've told you we've been told rather not to worry too much, but now on the heels of Quebec, Ontario may have its first case of monkeypox. And cleanup begins and the death toll rises in Ontario following a freak thunderstorm. Those stories next. The first shipment of baby formula from Europe arrived at an Indiana Air Force base today. A military aircraft carrying 132 pallets flew in from Germany. That's enough formula for more than half a million baby bottles. The shipment is part of the Operation Fly formula effort launched amid the worsening shortage in the U.S. Ontario may have its first case of monkeypox. Health officials are trying to confirm the diagnosis in a man in his 40s. He's in stable condition and is believed to have had contact with someone who recently traveled to Montreal. Quebec health officials say they have five lab-confirmed cases, with 15 more being investigated. South of the border, at least two cases of monkeypox have been confirmed. And despite reassurances here, President Joe Biden says the disease is, quote, something to be concerned about.
8: Well, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what uh, vaccine, if any, may be available for But it is a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential.
2: The U.S. northeast is sweltering under a heat advisory. Record high temperatures in New York, Philadelphia, Boston and Connecticut, with the mercury soaring into the mid-30s Celsius. Locals and tourists are trying to beat the heat and an oppressively high humidity by hitting the beaches and droves. A change in the weather and some relief from the heat is expected tomorrow. A runner in the Brooklyn Half Marathon died after crossing the finish line yesterday morning. Officials say a 30-year-old man collapsed from cardiac arrest at the finish line at around 9 a.m. Temperatures during the race climbed from the low teens to the high 20s Celsius. 16 other runners were treated in hospital. Saturday's death was the first for the Brooklyn race in eight years. Cleanup has begun throughout southern Ontario and Quebec from yesterday's deadly thunderstorms. Eight people are now confirmed dead following dangerously high winds, heavy rain and hail that battered communities across the region. Hundreds of thousands are still without power and maybe for some time. Global's Ross Lord reports.
4: In Stittsville, Ontario, people are less concerned with what type of storm swept through their Ottawa area community than they are with the devastation it left behind and how the weather changed so suddenly from idyllic to dangerous. Paul McMahon has lived in this house for three peaceful decades. And then it's like, oh, get in the house, because like in an instant it just got really violent. As he grinds through the thunderstorm's aftermath, McMahon says at least one of the family vehicles is a write-off from destruction more synonymous with an East Coast hurricane than a thunderstorm. I don't know if that was uh, like a microburst or anything like that or what, what, what it was, but I've never seen anything like that in my life. Hydro Ottawa says 200 power poles were dislodged or destroyed. Even some transmission towers fell victim to a deadly storm that did similar damage in parts of Quebec. With freakish weather becoming more common around the globe, it's tempting to file these images under climate change damage. Or is it simply the result of seasonal forces? You'd certainly see it
8: in the springtime of the year when the warm air is never too far from the cold air. And they duke it out and you get weather wars breaking out. We get extreme summer weather. I mean, we're the most, second most tornado-prone country in the world. We get maybe three or four tropical storms every year.
4: We get um, uh, lightning strikes, three million lightning strikes a year. <laughs> Back in Stittsville, residents are shaken, still trying to make sense of what they see.
1: Oh, utter disbelief. You know, the tree was just uprooted and, and the car. Very hard to believe the devastation and all around the streets.
4: This is not the way anyone wants to spend a holiday weekend that typically kicks off a carefree season. They hope it's a blip, not a harbinger of more turbulence over the summer. Ross Lord, Global News. Well,
2: the format may be old school, but then so are the movies. The impending end of a business on Commercial Drive has film buffs lined up to collect their collections. Next.
5: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
2: The end of an era for Vancouver movie buffs and the deals they're getting. We'll have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, after a two-year pandemic break, Vancouver motorbike enthusiasts are taking part in an international ride today for men's health. 260 people signed up for the 11th annual Distinguished Gentleman's Ride that took off from the Trev Trevdily dealership on Boundary Road this morning. Many were riding vintage bikes and wearing period outfits. Similar events are being held in 800 cities around the world. The goal is to raise funds and awareness for men's physical and mental health and specifically for prostate cancer.
8: We have people talking about this, um, like kind of to the group and what it means to them. And there's tons of great stories that come out of this that I I think also raise the awareness and raise the awareness amongst people that it's okay to speak to your friends about this and kind of bring it out, not hold it all into yourself.
2: Such a great cause. And
9: Yvonne, what a gorgeous day for such a great cause. Yeah, it's nice to have some dry conditions, even some sunshine in the mix. And it's warmed up across the province today, even Lytton getting up to 26 degrees. So the warmest temperature that we've seen so far this year. Right now we're sitting at 18 degrees. We've got more cloud cover that's rolling in across the region, but it still remains dry. And we've got a southerly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. Out of the airport today, we bumped up to 19 degrees. Areas away from the water, we're into the low twenty. 20s. We're above the average for this time of the year. Not quite record-breaking on the Almanac. 24 degrees, and that was set back in 1958. So a few spots. The Litton Weather Station, so 25.5. So we'll round that up to 26 degrees. Lillooet today getting up to 25. Areas for the southern Okanagan, even 23 degrees. And we will continue to see some warm conditions over the next few. Now, the plan overnight, we will see more cloud cover. That'll take us in towards the morning hours, just a heads up. And then it should ease off with some sunshine in the mix towards the afternoon. So more of a clearing through the afternoon tomorrow and temperatures bumping up to seven. Bit of a blip in the forecast, We're already seeing a wave of rain and that's across the island extending in towards the Sunshine Coast. This will potentially clip the southern regions of the island as well. And we are going to continue to track that along the north and central coast with the trough that's just moving across the region. We can see that on the future cast with the bulk of the rain along the north and central coast. It'll likely continue in towards tomorrow morning with the chance of showers and then it should taper off. Metro Vancouver, we've got that cloud cover. It starts to ease off towards the afternoon. And then we've got some instability that is going to move in in the southern interior through the afternoon and early evening. Chance of showers and the risk of thunderstorms and extending in towards the southeastern corners of the province. So a bit of instability and a bit of a mixed bag, especially for the southern interior. For those looking to make some plans, a look ahead towards this week. Tuesday, we'll see this ridge start to weaken across the region. Tuesday night and leading in towards Wednesday, we've got the return for some wet weather and it looks to be a soggy one on Wednesday with periods of rain, but a drier start to our work week on Tuesday with a fair bit of cloud cover. Now, the northern half of the province will see some of the heavier rainfall overnight, tapering off to showers, on and off showers for much of the central interior. The area of concern will be the southern interior, we're looking at the risk of thunderstorms and windy conditions will continue this evening and through the day tomorrow with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. A few isolated showers still for the morning along the island. We'll go see temperatures tomorrow still getting up to 17 degrees. We will see a bit of a dry day on our Tuesday, rain developing towards the evening and then periods of rain on our Wednesday. So let's focus on tomorrow. We'll see, you'll see some sunshine in the mix. We're not looking ahead. This could change as well. <laughs> After the weekend, we just want to focus on the sunshine. Yes, just focusing on tomorrow. Thanks, Zupan.
2: Okay. It is a slow fade to black for local cinephiles. The extensive stock of DVDs at Vancouver's Black Dog Video is now for sale as the owner prepares to permanently close the doors to the iconic shop in a matter of weeks. Paul Johnson has more.
5: If you were to wager a guess as to what was behind this three-and-a-half-hour lineup, What are the chances you'd pick this?
8: We ask that you spend no more than 30 minutes in the shop. There's a limit of 20
5: movies per customer. After 17 years in business, Black Dog Video is liquidating its 15,000 title inventory and closing its doors for good. Here we go. For the indie film Faithful, there was kind of an end times feeling here, and a certain approach was necessary.
6: What specific movies do you want? I can't reveal that right now. We're in line. I don't want to give away any of my ideas. The Fantasia, John Wick 3, The, the Searchers, for it, that's with
5: John Wayne. Most were happy to share their wish lists with us, though this guy paid the price for revealing his. The Devil in Daniel Webster.
9: It's about a guy who sells his soul to the devil.
6: I, I've read the book.
10: And it's
6: the you can call and <laughs> say... Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great social
5: commentary. After today, well, a cold beer at six o'clock. Owner Darren Gay lasted for years after streaming took out his competitors, but says that, plus the COVID disruption, was finally too much.
8: You'd never know it uh, by now, but looking at the line behind me, that uh, we're not very popular, but yeah, that's where we are now.
5: But now is also an era when the option to own a movie as a physical artifact is going away. And while many don't seem to care, those who do really do.
0: I myself have a collection of 4,000 films. Netflix is awful. (laughs) Like, it's just not good. Um, You can't find films like what's in there.
5: So there's clearly some demand for niche cinema. The question now is whether there's a business model in it. Well, Gay says he'll keep part of it going online. BC is losing its biggest storefront indie video shop. Who's going to replace moments like these?
2: I got What's Up Doc, Messiah of Evil, and The Unbelievable Truth.
5: In East Van, yes. Paul Johnson, Global News.
2: I was actually surprised to see how long that lineup yeah. was. Lots of people. Who who amongst you has a DVD player?
10: Uh, I've got a couple.
9: I do. Oh, a couple. I of
10: the days when Two. they used to fine you $2 for not rewinding the VHS. <laughs>
2: That's Be a long kind. I've been a, I, do, I remember too, Barry. Don't <laughs> worry. What have you got coming up?
10: Oh, my goodness. Busy day in sports still going on. Uh, White Caps played this afternoon, uh, minus a lot of players. We'll tell you all about that. The Oilers are looking great again against the Flames. We'll have early highlights of that. And we've got some tennis, baseball, golf, pretty much everything.
2: And, and I've got another sport for you coming up. Uh, yeah, a 10-pin tradition that's surviving.
6: I'm an old man now. I don't think the three of us guys can bend much anymore.
2: A BC champion dynasty carries on thanks to a family member they didn't even consider. Next. thing is in the blood of the Bull family would be an understatement. For seven decades, generations have successfully competed nationally in 10 pin. But there were concerns that reign was about to end. That is until 11-year-old Callie stepped onto the lanes. Jay Durant has more on This Is BC. Allie
8: Bulls on a roll. She qualified for the Nationals this year after winning the only competitive tournament she's ever entered. Everybody in my division was like super scared. But maybe it shouldn't be that surprising because this is the family game. Four generations of bowling bulls, starting with her great grandfather Robert, who first launched the dynasty. Well, I started bowling in uh, probably the late. Uh, middle, middle to late 50s. Callie's grandfather Doug bowled in the Commonwealth Games and her dad Dan followed up with four trips to the Nationals. I just wanted to be like my dad. I saw how much fun he had. The youngest bull was never really into the sport until she came across some of her dad's memorabilia. A couple years ago she came up and said she wanted to try bowling she saw some of my stuff hanging around the house. No one is taking much credit for passing down their skills. Whatever Callie's doing is working.
0: Just I'm, I'm concentrating on like um, throwing my ball down the middle, like to the middle arrow.
8: Leagues at Langford Lanes are hoping a new generation will pick up the game. It seems to be more popular these days. You know, you see a lot more stuff on TV now, a lot in the States. You were born to bow! The show How We Roll is a true story about a pro bowler's return to prominence. A humorous look at what life is like There's on the, the Lanes. time to take my shot. It's definitely coming back. Maybe Cali can help lead a youth movement while building up the talent to take down the other members of the Bull Dynasty in some head-to-head competition. Although they will need a little practice at this point. I'm an old man now. I don't
6: think the three of us guys can bend much anymore.
0: I concentrate on my next target. If it's like a split, um, I try to like, focus on the most of the pins.
2: Number one rule is to have fun. Jay Durant. Global News nice and jay is always looking for a great bc story to tell email your ideas to this is bc at globalnews.ca barry has sports next and still to come one man's very lucky or unlucky day depending on your perspective how he was rescued from a seaside cliff coming up
10: help support the CLEAR Foundation. CLEAR stands for Canadians for Leading Edge Alzheimer Research and is a nonprofit on a mission to eradicate all forms of dementia, including Alzheimer's disease. 100% of your donations go to funding research towards a cure. Info at clearalzheimers.ca. May is National Physiotherapy Month. Throughout the month, engage with free online resources and hear stories from BC's devoted physiotherapists to learn how they can help you feel your best going into the summer season. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman.
4: If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want
5: to
10: go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now.
2: Barry's here now. We've been talking about pierogies, and now, of course, mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Yes,
10: so it is dinner time.
2: I'll let you take it off. Okay, get some
10: sour cream, and I'll, <laughs> I'll hook up with you later. All right, thanks. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps have had enough adversity on the pitch to start this season. Today, it went to a new level. In Charlotte, the Whitecaps were forced to start 17-year-old academy goalkeeper Max Anker of Burnaby on an emergency call-up basis because all of the Whitecaps' three goalkeepers are unavailable. Thomas Assal has a broken hand, and the other two are in MLS health and safety protocols, pretty much COVID. And those two aren't the only ones unavailable due to COVID. Jake Nerwinski and Bron White, two key guys, amongst others, not playing today in Charlotte. So you want a little bit of adversity? There you go. There's the 17-year-old kid anchoring the defense in his first ever MLS appearance, first pro appearance. White caps needed a strong start. They got it. Two minutes in, Dahomey forces the turnover, and Toussaint Ricketts fires it in. What a start for the Caps, who have usually been the ones giving up bad early goals. They're up 1-0, but the lead didn't last long. Andre Shinny Yashiki heads it past Anchor, who is uh, also not at 100%. It's a bit of a right quad injury, but no choice but to play for the teenager. It's 1-1. Now, it stayed that way until late in the match, and this is just some bad luck. A clearance goes off a Charlotte player, and uh, they get a very fortunate bounce, and it's in the back of the net. Daniel Rios puts it in. No chance for the Caps' young keeper on that one. It's 2-1. Anchor played a fairly solid game. He made five saves, including this hot shot from distance to keep it 2-1. Whitecaps did have a chance to rescue a point. Russell Tybert connects with the left foot from 20 yards out, but right at the Charlotte goalkeeper. Whitecaps fall to 0-6 on the road after the 2-1 loss in Charlotte.
5: We didn't deserve to lose. We didn't deserve to lose. We, we fought against the, the log of... Uh, uh, obstacles uh, in this game, you know, uh, a lot of players out because of Covid, Google uh, uh, keepers out and everything and uh, we put on a, a very good game, especially in the second half.
8: As of two days ago, I was just coming on the trip to train and then uh, 15 minutes happen, and then I'm the starter. So you always got to be ready,
10: always put yourself in position to work as hard as you can and, and be ready for the opportunity when it comes. He should be proud. He played well. Final Sunday of the English Premiership season. Man City needing to beat Aston Villa to guarantee the title over Liverpool, but Aston Villa led 2-0 late until an epic comeback. Ilkay Gundogan with the header in the 76th. It's 2-1. Two minutes later, Rodri unleashing the shot from the top of the box. Just kind of placed it in the corner, but it's perfectly placed. It's 2-2, and the Etihad is percolating. 81st-minute Kevin De Bruyne will skip the cross into the corner for Gundogan for his second of the match. Game winner, three goals in five minutes. City win 3-2. They had to because Liverpool also won City with its sixth Premier League title in 11 seasons. And you cannot beat that kind of drama. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino was back in the main draw at Roland Garros today for the first time since 2011. Back then, a 20-year-old Marino made it all the way to the third round. Her comeback to tennis has been inspiring after taking five years off to take care of her mental health. And she rolled through qualifying, not dropping a set in three matches. But she had to contend with American teenage sensation Coco Gauff in her opening round match in Paris. First ever meeting between Gauff, the 18 seed, and Marina. Rebecca was down 5-2 first set, but she upped her quality. A couple of deep forehands will set up the put away at net. She gets the break and stays alive in the set down 5-4, then she will hold her own serve and finish off the game with an ace down the middle, 5-all looking good for Rebecca, but Marino started to make some mistakes and Goff with the deep forehand, Marino's return long and it's the first set to Goff, 7-5, Marino had uh, 11 break chances that first set, just converted two of them, kind of came back to haunt her in the end second set was all Coco Goff, Marino just couldn't Make the shots. A nice drop shot here by Goff for the uh, winner, and she wins at 7 5 6 love. So disappointment for Marino, but a great job to get back to the French Open main draw. She appeared in three straight Grand Slams for Rebecca. Meanwhile, Montreal's Layla Annie Fernandez, the 17 seed, taking on France's Christina Mladenovic. Uh, Fernandez was the 2019 French junior champ, but was 0-2 in the main draw, but changed that today. Came out firing, loads up the forehand winner, won the first set, 6-love. Second set was close, but Layla rallied from 5-3 down. She's such a fighter. Great touch at the net for the Bali winner. Layla Annie Fernandez on her way to round two in paris six love seven six is the victory men's side felix oje the nine seed taking on peruvian qualifier juan pablo vardijas felix out of sorts at the start lost the first two sets six two six two but then cue the big comeback takes the third set Made less errors. Uncle Tony approves. Felix took over, showed his experience. Hey, maybe a tough early match gets him in a groove. First time ever, he's come back from two sets down. He is moving on to the second round. Bianca Andrescu plays her first round match tomorrow. Denis Shapovalov, not until Tuesday. The Canucks made some coaching moves today, letting uh, go three members of the support staff, assistant Scott Walker and Kyle Gustafson and video coach Daryl Seward. Brad Shaw, Jason King, goalie coach Ian Clark and head coach Bruce Boudreaux will all return next season. Canucks brass expect to fill out the rest of the coaching staff in the coming weeks. Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Game three, Battle of Alberta from Edmonton. Series tied at one. Connor McDavid leads the uh, league in scoring, leads his team in hits, plants Matthew Kachuk with a good shoulder check there. Oilers carried the play in the first, but uh, could not solve Markstrom. Connor at warp speed here on the rush, but Markstrom 20 saves in the first period, scoreless after one after all those first period goals in Calgary. But early second off the rush, it is McDavid to Leon Dreiseidel to Zach Hyman, post and in. And the Oilers were on the board, and they would not stop. They kept coming in droves. Back for more. Evander Kane starts the rush, gives it to Drysidel, gets it back, beats Markstrom. Eighth of the playoffs, 2-0 Edmonton. And then moments later, McDavid doing his thing. Check out this little move between the legs. Over to Kane for his second, and just like that, it's 3-0 for the oil and this big line just torched the flames. Mike Smith did make some big saves to keep Calgary off the board, and then McDavid again leading the rush to Kane for the hat trick. Four nothing, Oilers leading in the second period. The hats come down and look who's in the crowd: Alfonso Davies, and Edmonton boy, loving the Oilers winning. Drysaddle four assists, Connor three assists. is mentioned. In the east, Tampa Bay and Florida. Lightning won the opening two games on the road. First period, West fans, Sam Reinhart having an excellent first season with the Panthers' uh, scores on the power play. Panthers' first power play goal of the playoffs, if you can believe it. But Tampa answer in the second. Eric Chernak going top shelf on Sergei Bobrovsky. It's 2-1. And they get another from who else but the captain, Steven Stamko. Scores so many big goals. Nikita Kucherov had a goal and three assists. Tampa win 5-1. Panthers have scored just three goals in the series after leading the league in scoring all year. The Lightning now up three games to none. And one other game on a busy Sunday, Hurricanes and Rangers. Carolina won the first two games 2-1 and 2-0, so goals hard to come by. First period, Rangers do get one on the power play. Mika Zabanejad just finds room short side on Ranta. 1-0 New York. And then in the second, Rangers sniper Chris Kreider snipes one. Look at this shot, rips it. Top shelf, there was not a lot of room there. This view especially, you can see what a perfect shot that was, the garden explodes, 2-0 New York. Third period, now 2-1, Canes pressing to tie it, but it's the former Canuck. Tyler Mott picks off the pass, flips it in for the empty netter, Rangers win 3-1 there. Now back in the series, down just two games to one. Final round of the PGA Championship from Tulsa. Justin Thomas making a late charge, 11th hole. This is uh, just off the green. A little 65-footer for birdie, a little bonus birdie. Thomas would post five under par. Will Zalatoris at the 17th. He will make birdie to get to five under. One behind the leader, Mito Pereira from Chile. So Pereira's got a one-shot lead on the 18th tee. Ah, A little bit of pressure. Taken driver. They thought that was a bit too much club. It was too much club, and he paid the price. That goes into the water. Penalty stroke made double bogey and he ended up finishing third. So it would go to a playoff as you feel bad for Mito Pereira. Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. Thomas won the PGA back in 2017. Zalatoris, no tour wins period. Three hole aggregate playoff. Both players birdied the par 5 13th, then they jumped par 4 17th, playing 3 0 2, but Thomas drives the green and he would get. A two-putt birdie out of that. Zalatoris, par. so it's a one-stroke lead for Thomas with one more hole to go. He needed just to get a par, and he does it, taps it in for the win. Justin Thomas, second PGA Championship win today in Tulsa. And Adam Hadwin, by the way, tied 71st plus 12. And we'll finish Formula One Spanish Grand Prix. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc starting from the pole, comfortably leading when his engine just dies. And that's it out of the race, what can you do? You need the car, it's a two-part deal in racing. Red Bull finishing 1-2, Sergio Perez had by far the better car and the better ride going all day, ordered by his team to let Max Verstappen pass him on lap 49. They do that, it's a team sport, Verstappen, takes the lead, gets the win, his third straight victory. So he overtakes Leclerc in the driver's standings. Lance Stroll, 15th, and Nick Latifi, 16th. And the Blue Jays lost three to the Reds. And I'm officially out of breath. It's a lot going on today. All right. Uh,
2: Thank you, Barry. (laughs) Listen, up next, a heart-stopping long-line rescue you really need to see to believe. Stay with us. Okay, breathe. With the beautiful weather we've been having here on the south coast a rescue south of the border may serve as a reminder to be careful in the backcountry wherever that backcountry may be. Get this, a local fisherman in San Mateo, California, reported a man clinging to a vertical wall halfway down a 500-foot or 152-meter cliff. Now, despite challenging winds, a California Highway Patrol pilot maneuvered his helicopter 30 meters over the scene while an officer paramedic lowered a second rescuer down to the man. Both he and the officer were long-lined out. No word on how the man became stuck in the first place, but... He was lucky that oh. fishermen spotted him.
10: A James Bond movie.
9: No Just kidding. hanging. Kidding. No Very kidding. lucky. Scary. Really quick last word on the weather? A more cloud cover overnight and for tomorrow morning. Some bright spots, though, as we get in towards the afternoon. Rain returning on Tuesday night. We're focusing on tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. That's the news hour
2: for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. <laughs>